Good morning and welcome to Wednesday morning, December the 28th in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we continue year A, the first Sunday after Christmas Day, and this particular liturgy only has four passages for this week in the Revised Common Lectionary, but there's also some New Year's Day liturgy uh, that happens to land on this Sunday as well. So we're able to borrow in order to make the five-day prayer week, and so I'm going to go to the New Testament letter passage from that extra liturgy. Go to Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. But when the fulfillment of the time came, God sent his son, born through a woman and born under the law. This was so he could redeem those under the law, so that he so that we could be adopted. Because you are sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son or daughter. And if you are his child, then you are also an heir through God. This is the word of God for us. Some of the great mysteries surrounding Jesus and his arrival are some of the things about his life that we know full well, and sometimes our familiarity kind of clouds our inquiry of them, right? So um, we say that you know Jesus died on the cross, um, but as Fleming Rutledge in his book The Crucifixion, as she outlines, like there's there's actually something to him not just dying, but dying on a cross that matters to the gospel, and it matters to our confession as Christians, right? And his arrival is the same way, and it's not just because um, some of us feel compelled to continue to prop up um, this lack of original sin from Augustine's rendering of the Jesus story. Uh, it's not just that, but um, we have words from Paul here in Galatians chapter 4 that Jesus' arrival was a fulfillment of something, when the fulfillment of time had come. So you can go all the way back to the original language, and there's several words for time in the Greek New Testament. Um, there's like this chronos, this natural passing of time where we get the word chronology. But there's also this term kairos, this idea of a fulfillment of time or an opportune time. It might have been used um, during uh, as a, like an agricultural term, uh, the time of a harvest. If you've ever grown up around crops, uh, you know that there's like there's this natural passing of time and then like the crops begin to show signs that it's time for harvest. And so all, all the rest of the things that we feel like are important in that time are no longer important. The most important thing is to gather in the crop at its harvest time, right? It, that type of time takes over. And that might be exactly what's going on here. Paul's talking about how there's this long and winding path that Israel engaged in. Uh, they were waiting upon the promises of God. They were hoping, they were praying, they were singing, uh, they were reflecting on the scriptures. They were longing uh, for God to arrive. And so after all this time, after, you know, empire after empire, after would-be Messiah, after would-be Messiah, after internal rebellion, after internal rebellion, all those things came to pass. And next thing you know, like God sends his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem all those 
who were under the law, right? And we know that Jesus wasn't the only one who the Israelites hailed to be Messiah. We know that there were some other Messiah movements that came after Jesus. And so even as they began to proclaim the early church to their Jewish contemporaries, uh, some people weren't convinced and they were still looking for somebody else. But Paul contends in Galatians here, it's one of his first letters. So this is early on in Paul's ministry career, that as he's planting churches, dotting them all over the Roman world, that uh, something happened at the appropriate time. And some of us might scratch our heads and say, why was this the appropriate time? And why wasn't it like not earlier? Like, wouldn't it be great if God would have acted so decisively generations before? And so all those generations didn't have to be born and go to their graves without seeing the fulfillment of God. Like why in God's math, why did he wait so long? And we're we're not going to know all those details. Um, All we know is Paul says that this seems to be the lining up of all the things in order for Christ to be revealed. You know, there's some scholars who begin to contend like why this probably was. Um, Maybe it was because the plight of Israel was so dire. Uh, Maybe it was because the Roman Empire had, um, you know, occupied Israel and because of Pax Romana, Uh, There's a chance for Roman citizens to travel all over the Roman world with relative ease. This would have been difficult to do in a generation or two um, prior to that. And so now that we have the the Romans involved and the roads that lead to all these places and this um, interest in spirituality, this interest in lordship and who's ruling the world and what does peace and safety look like, all of a sudden you get this Christian gospel that begins to bubble up from Palestine. It goes to Antioch goes to places like Ephesus and Rome and Alexandria, it like begins to take over, begins to bit by bit move into the different parts of the world to where today um, there's the majority of people groups have heard a gospel proclamation in their own language. And so people can choose for themselves whether they're going to line up behind Jesus or not. So maybe that's what Paul means. Like it was actually important uh, for the Roman occupation to happen in order for there to be relative ease of the transmission of this great and transforming story. All that we know is that God didn't seem to be behind. Like he seemed to have been waiting for an appropriate moment. And this was that moment. Now, because it was appropriate and it was the opportune time, didn't doesn't mean that it didn't come with great struggle. It didn't come with great mystery or uh, for the early church to wonder and to scratch their heads and to continue to discuss and to argue and debate about what it means to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. What's vital? What's not vital? What's essential? What's not essential? I mean, we see that struggle as uh, the book of Acts begins to unpack this travel to different territories and to different nations and people groups and different you know, types of people beginning to hear this gospel story. So it didn't come without struggle. But what it's underwritten through all the struggle is that this seemed to be the time. And it almost seems like the gospel begins to spread effortlessly. Now, that doesn't mean that people weren't donating their lives and giving great effort, but it does seem like it was going from house to house, neighbor to neighbor. And as the early part of the book of Acts was saying in Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, is that daily God added to their number those who were being saved. I mean, people were embracing this story day by day, even from the very beginning. If we zoom out to uh, the current picture of the church, we see that every day people are putting their trust in Jesus. And there may not be people in our lives, but there's people all over the globe. There's thousands of people in the global South and East that are putting their trust in Christ. Probably the fastest growing age of the church is in Iran, which is also a very challenging place to live as 
a Christian, and so we marvel at that. All that we know is that at the appropriate time, God had some things stored up in his mind that he wanted to accomplish, and he pushed that out, out into existence, and, he, and it seemed like a very subtle and very humble and quiet beginning. But, th- but this thing's continued to spread, and it continues to transform lives and communities all around us. So why does this meet us, and how can this be helpful today? I think this meets us for those of us who heart, our hearts are faint, and we see the challenges within the church, we, say, we see challenges to the church, and we begin to say to ourselves, when will we overcome? And even maybe even more a challenging question, are we going to overcome? I think a passage like this helps us to be reminded that as Israel was scratching their head, they're wondering, how are we going to be freed from our own plight? It seems like even though God gave us this law, we cannot follow it. It seems like our disobedience might be showing that we're defaulting upon our covenant promises with God and so on and so forth. God says, I'm still going to move. I'm still going to show mercy. I'm still going to advance my plan. And so maybe this passage would meet us with a ray of hope this morning that uh, God continues to sketch out his own story with or without the perfect obedience from his people. God desires to continue to recreate the world around us. And that should give us hope this morning. So with all that in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're just right on time. We thank you that you hold time and you're above and beyond time. But you also interact with us just at the right time. And we know the relief that it brings when something is accomplished um, in real time in our lives. And so we thank you that you saw fit at some point in our journey to draw near to us. And it became so real to us who you were, your love for us, and that love continues to transform us today. God, if we were to confess to you, we would say that we seem what we have worries about how the story and and how this world is going. We see brokenness and we see um, hatred and division and anger and all of its various forms breaking the world around us. And we wonder where there's going to be a solution and when all these things will come to an end. Where when is there going to be relief, either temporary or long-lasting relief, from the pains and the pressures that we feel? our common humanity. God, we also confess to you that uh, it seems like maybe your church is beyond, uh, beyond, uh, behind the time. Like We um, are not as loving as you would like us to be, and uh, we haven't been the most loving voice and posture in the world around us. And so we wonder if um, we have also wandered away from our true calling and we're behind the times. And so we uh, thank you that you're not done with your people, that this is still your story, and that you still pour your love into our hearts so that we can pour it out to the world around us. So help us to be like Jesus, the one who was on time, and the one who loved all the way to the end. We look at our own lives, God, and we look at um, our relationships, our workplaces, uh, the schools that we, we belong to, and uh, the communities that we, are, we belong to, and we just recognize that there's a whole lot of need for a whole lot of love, and it needs to start with us. So we pray that you take our life and that you would fill it with your life, and we pray that we might be able to be a signpost pointing to the great love that you have for us and for all humanity that came right on time and was revealed in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.